Okay, so now we are in Holy Thursday. In accordance with the most ancient tradition of the church on this day, all masses without people without the people are forbidden. Alright, so entrance antiphon. Jesus Christ made us into a kingdom or priests for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever. This is from Revelation chapter one verse six. Now we go into um we go into the rites. So we're gonna say the Gloria today. Okay. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take a mercy on us, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Okay. Okay. Now, um, Jesus Christ made us into a kingdom of priests for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever. O God, you anointed your only begotten Son with the Holy Spirit and made him Christ and Lord. Graciously grant that being made sharers in his consecration, we may bear witness to your resurrection, I mean, to your redemption in the world through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Okay. The first reading is from Isaiah 61. A reading from the Holy Book of the Prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the lowly, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God to comfort all who, who mourn to, to place on those who mourn in Zion a didium instead of ashes to give them oil of gladness and in place of mourning 
a glorious mantle instead of a lustless spirit. You yourselves shall be named priests of the Lord. Ministers of our God shall you be called. I will give them their recompense faithfully. A lasting covenant I will make with them. Their descendants shall be renowned among the nations and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them as a, as a race the Lord has blessed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And a responsible psalm from Psalm 89. Forever I will sing the gladness of the Lord. I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him that my hand may always be with him, that my arm may make him strong. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and through my name shall his horn be exalted. He shall say of me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock of my Savior. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Second reading from Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5 and 8, that, that is the Apocalypse, the book of the Apocalypse. Christ has made us into a kingdom, a priest for his God and Father. Okay, a reading from the book of Revelation. Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings, of the, of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom, priests for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the people of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. One more time, a reading from the book of, the, of Revelation, the Apocalypse, chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood who has made us into a kingdom of priests for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the people of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Okay, now we get to, uh, this is the verse before the gospel, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because of which he has anointed me. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and was handed a scroll 
of the prophet Isaiah, he unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today is the script today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up, rolling up the scroll, he handed, he handed it back to the attendants and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. And he said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. So this is like a chrism mass reading. This is basically the um, the institution of the priesthood and where the priests renew their priestly vows and the bishop along with the bishop, basically. And um, that's what it is. It's a priest, it's a mass for the priests, the bishops, the clergy to renew their vows, probably along with the deacons, I'm going to take a guess. And it's a beautiful thing because it's, Christ did establish a whole new covenant. And it's not meant, <clears throat> because it says in there that it cannot be without the people. Because there is a priest, a priestly, uh, there's the establishment of the clergy, and there's also the the universal priesthood of the people because everyone is baptized. And only a baptized male, baptized in the Catholic faith, in Christ, can become a priest. And this is important because I think in most cases, and also, here's the other beautiful thing. Only... Anyone can perform a baptism, including a woman or a baptized, you know, anyone can perform it. I mean, even they say that <laughs> even someone I've heard of, I heard of been saying that even a Satanist can perform a proper baptism. That's how powerful, you know, the words are and how accessible, right? I mean, it sounds spooky and I don't think I would want to, uh, anyone who the saying is to baptize me, but it shows you the power of the baptism. Because technically, even if like you bring someone from another Christian sect, as long as they're baptized properly, they can 
they can come in. All you have to do is call a conditional mat, uh, baptism, just for the sake, uh, you know, of, um, you know, if the person doesn't remember, but basically you don't really have to baptize anyone over again if they're baptized in the proper formula in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's a proper baptism. It's a proper baptism, and it's good. I like that, and that's the way it should be. Um, problem is, is that, as we know, other Christian sects only look at baptism as a symbolic thing. They don't look at it as an actual reality, the actual substance. Everything they've been taught to believe in Protestantism is that it's only a symbolic thing, like all the sacraments are symbolic. That's true in one sense, but you can't deny the reality the deeper reality they represent because it represents Christ's presence in his church among his people. Okay, the, the reality of baptism is that you're baptized into new life. You're dead to your old life. It doesn't, remember, it doesn't matter if you don't remember it as a child. What matters is that you, that you know and understand this. Yeah, that's basically the problem. It's the reality. Protestants, um, and it's, they're Protest Protestants have, I would say, a fair devotion to the Bible, depending on each individual Protestant. My window is open, so you're going to hear sounds. So, the reality is Christ. And Christ has to be a reality in the sacraments. The, re the sacraments bring this reality that you can't separate it. You can't separate baptism from Christ. You can't separate um, confession from Christ. You can't separate... Um, the last rites from Christ. You can't separate communion. Christ is in the bread and is in the wine. This is my body. This is my blood. So if we separate and say it's only a symbol. Well, I like what Scott Hahn says to hell with it. Because the problem is you can't separate them. You can't separate it. If we are one, we are baptized in Christ, as Paul says, and we die with Christ and we rise again with Christ, then the reality of his presence is all around us. He's a reality in the prayers. He's a reality in the, in the Gospels. You can go and buy a Bible anywhere. A fairly good Bible, even if it's just the New Testament with the Psalms, the reality of the, the reality is in Christ. The Bible has to be read in him, through him and with him, because it all speaks of him. So therefore, um, the anointing of the sick, the anointing, the, the uh, confirmation, 
makes Christ a reality in your life. The only problem I have to say, which is sad, and that is, um, I'm afraid that a lot of Catholics are not really living that. Then it's not communicated well enough to them. It's not communicated well enough in their lives. Uh, you know, in a sense, I have to say with all honesty, as much as we're taught to say our morning prayers, do our examinations of conscience, in a sense, one thing we have to say about Judaism is there seems to be a, a more deeper ritualistic life and I and I often wonder how much of that has passed in the first among the early Jewish Christians, because we Catholics we don't have that. I mean, as much as yes, the Rosary is great, but I think not enough Catholics are living that reality. Not enough of us are living that reality. I think. It's wonderful, like when you look at the Passover, how the Passover was celebrated in a very ritualistic manner. And I think a lot of a lot of Catholics, we could have used more of those beautiful ritualistic manners, which is why Protestants are often very attracted to Jew, to Jewish ritualism, and many of them are trying to bring that in into their daily Christian life to try to uh, create beautiful traditions. There's not enough like I would say sacred traditions that we follow in our daily life. Yeah, making the sign of the cross is definitely a great sacred tradition. But a lot of times I think the problem is, like I've always often complained, we feel kind of abandoned. There's a, there's a separation and there's a disconnect from our church life, our, our, our weekly church life, Sunday church life, from our daily Christian life. There's a disconnect. And it feels like, you know, like I, I often said, it, there's, there's no connection. There's no, I don't think we're living the sacramental life. Let's put it this way, the sacrament, which is basically offering our daily life, our daily existence to Christ, uh, living it out, living this reality, uh, having more, I would say, sacred traditions in our daily lives. I think, you know, we could use some of that. That would connect us, I think, with our uh our, our, you know, our sacramental life in the church. It's just not lived out. Often, that's why a lot of Catholics often find themselves looking elsewhere. You know? Um, I think, you know, it's because there's a disconnect. It is a certain sense of emptiness. And it's sad. We should be living... We should be living it more. There should be more connection with our sacramental life in the church. There should be more connect in our daily private life. You know, when we leave, when we walk out of those door, uh, we walk out of church on Sunday. It shouldn't end there. But a lot of Catholics don't know how to live it. You know, I think 
meals should be more sacred. I think prayers should should be recited more. Uh, should be recited. There should be a deeper unity. I think fa a lot of families with their children should develop a more Catholic identity, and should not be feeling abandoned, you know, or shamed. That's not being communicated. It's not being communicated. It's sad, but it's not being communicated. All right. Um, going to end it here, and then I'm going to try to do the, um, the Thursday evening mass. I'm going to continue. Okay? Uh, Thursday reading. I'm going to go to the next one. Okay? The entrance antiphon here for the Thursday of the Lord's Supper. We should glory, it's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, which should glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom is our salvation, life and resurrection, through whom we are saved and delivered. Okay, the readings here are all uh, for three liturgical cycles. It's from Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, 11 to 14. The law regarding the Passover meal. A reading from the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall stand at the head of your calendar. You shall reckon it the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel, On this tenth of this month, every one of your families must procure for itself a lamb, one apiece for each household. If the family is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join the nearest household in procuring one and, and shall share the lamb in, a, in proportion to the number of persons who partake of it. The lamb must be a year old male without blemish. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. And then with the whole assembly of, the, of Israel present, it shall be slaughtered during the evening twilight they shall take some of its blood and apply it to the two doorposts and the lentil of every house in which they partake of the lamb that same night they shall eat it eat its roasted flesh with unleavened bread and bitter herbs this is how you are to eat it, with your loins girt, sandals on your feet, and your staff in hand. You shall eat it like those who are in flight. It is the Passover of the Lord, for on this same night I will go through Egypt, striking down every firstborn of the land, both man and beast, and executing judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I, the Lord, but the blood will mark the house where you are. Seeing the blood, I will pass over you. Thus, when I strike the land of Egypt, no destructive blow will come upon you. This day shall be a memorial feast for you, which all your generations shall celebrate with pilgrimage to the Lord as a perpetual institution. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Psalm 116, 12, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18. Our blessing cup is a communion with the blood of Christ. 
How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will take up, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Our blessing cup is a communion with the blood of Christ. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. Our blessing cup is a communion with the blood of Christ. To you will I offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of his people. Our blessing cup is a communion with the blood of Christ. Okay, so that was Psalm 116. I'll read it all over again um, without the without the uh, the response. How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will take up and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. My vows to the Lord I will I will pay in the presence of his people. So if you notice the passage, I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. Uh, this is referring to our Lord, Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, the second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was handed over took bread and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. One more time. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was, he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that, that is for you. This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rush before the gospel. I give you a new commandment, says the Lord. Love one another as I have loved you. John chapter, uh, reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 15. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. 
The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon, the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God, he rose from the supper, took off his outer garment, he took a towel, and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to them, What I am doing you do not understand now. But you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never, ma never wash my feet. Jesus answered, answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed, has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. To you, so you are clean, but not all, for he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So, when he had washed their feet, he put his, his garments back on and reclined at table. Again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I will um, recite what's called the Panja Langua. Not too sure how to, how to uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but let's uh, recite it. I'm not going to sing it. Sing my tongue the Savior's glory. Of his flesh the mystery sing, of his blood all price exceeding, shed by our immortal king, destined for the world's redemption, from a noble womb to spring, a pure spotless virgin, born for us on earth below, he as man with man conversing, stayed the seeds of truth to sow. Then he closed in solemn order, wondrously his life of woe. On the night of that last supper, seated with his chosen band, he, the paschal victim eating, first fulfills the law's command. Then as food to all his brethren, gave himself with his own hand. Word made flesh the bread of nature. By his word to flesh he turns. Wine into his blood he changes. What, th 
what though sense no change discerns, only be the heart in earnest, faith her lesson quickly learns. Down in adoration falling, lo, the sacred host we hail. Lo, over ancient forms of departing, newer rites of grace prevail. Faithful all defects supplying, where the feeble senses fail. To the everlasting Father, and the Son who reigns on high, with the Holy Spirit proceeding forth from each eternally, be salvation, honor, blessing, might and endless majesty. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Glory be to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All right, so in case you haven't noticed, I messed up. I forgot to do the um, reflection or meditation that I usually do after the readings. Oh, well, hey, um, after all, we all make mistakes. Anyway, um, well, I'm going to tell you, I have not been very good with my fasting this I messed up again. And I think the problem is with that is I think is that I, um, I, I'm not good at it. Let's put it that way. I'm not good at it. It's, I'm much better, I think, I think just sticking to a meditation, you know, like just focusing on Christ and I think on the gospel. I'm not good at fasting, unfortunately. I've always, I mean, I'll start off very good and then what happens is I'm going to crash. Yeah, I crashed. And I think the problem is, is just accept the fact that I'm not good at it. And also because, let's face it, I go through, right now I think it's, it's, it's a lot of things. I think it's the job. Maybe I'm making excuses, but it's hard. I think when you're not, when you're not surrounded, I think by a culture of faith, maybe I'm making a bad excuse, but it's true. It's just not good. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of anti-Catholicism, there's a lot of anti, anti-faith, anti-Christianity, there's a lot of anti-God, and it's not fun. It's not fun at all, because I think when you're surrounded by, by fellow Catholics, it helps. It helps. Unfortunately, it's not there 
You know, it's not always possible. Focusing on your faith is far more important, in a sense, by reading the gospel, especially during Lent. It's the best thing to do. And it's a journey. Our faith is a beautiful journey. You, we have so much, I think, meditations, novenas, and you can get closer, you can get close to Christ through these meditations and through the gospel. Then I think trying to, I think mortification, if for some people it's possible. I think for other people, it's not always possible. I think because we live in a culture where we're much more visually oriented now than ever before. And I think, like say, movies, um, movies and... Art works, I think, a lot better. You know, you see that with The Passion of the Christ, Father Stu, uh, the recent film that came out, Jesus of Nazareth. I also, I think it works. Um, I think we, we also we need to really consider that a lot more. I think the fact that we live in a visual time I think we need to create that Catholic culture that can help encourage people. If we don't create that, I think it's hard to 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 um, uh, breed. If you can, if we can use that word, encourage, breed, and build that Catholic world, the Catholic faith, a culture of faith. Um, also, I think it's, it doesn't work if you don't, you know, um, nurture it like with kids with us. I think if you just focus on the external part of it and ignore the substance, which is, um, encouraging to build that devotion building uh, a faith because remember I th people complained like everybody through the 30s and 40s and 50s maybe up to the 60s everybody knew how to answer their catechism but no one had the substance of faith there was no substance nobody was spoke spoken about their personal faith Unfortunately, that's that's the problem. We don't have that, so it doesn't. There's no roots of faith. Like remember how Jesus, our Lord, said about the seed being scattered. Some seed fell on hard ground, right on the roadside. Birds came, ate it, took it away, which represents Satan. Other seed fell among the thorns. 
and uh, they were choked. Other seed fell um, on, I think, with this um, in the good soil, and you know, it grew abundantly. There's also others I think that got scorched by the sun or something to do with the persecution of the world and they gave up their faith. That's the problem. We need to develop deeper roots and, and, and foster the faith. Unfortunately, we haven't done that. And unfortunately, this is why our, the numbers tend to grow weak. Why the numbers in, the, in, the, in our churches are, are low now. Because, because of that. And that's where we have to change. We have to build that culture. We have to really build a much better... I think we have to build it on two grounds. One, building a strong Catholic culture. Also, we have to, fig we have to figure out how to grow closer with our separate, separated brethren, such as Catholics and Protestants and Catholics among the Orthodox, and try to build... Uh, try to encourage uh, conversions, but cautiously. Anyway, I'm going to end it here, and I'll be back with the Good Friday service, okay? God bless.